The last couple of weeks, we've looked at justification. And we've seen some amazing uh, benefits that justification brings to us. Remember, just by way of reminder, what is justification? It's, it's the way that God sees you just as if you'd never sinned. Right? It's an easy way to remember. You'll never forget that now. And we talked about some of these benefits that come along with justification, about peace with God, access to God, standing in the grace of God, hope in the glory of God, and that we've been saved from the future wrath of God. And it might lead you to ask the question, how is this possible through one man? You, know, you talk about faith in Jesus Christ brings justification, but, but I didn't know Jesus. I, how is it all possible? How is it that, that what Jesus did on the cross, how is it possible that it really affects me? Paul's going to go on in, in the rest of chapter 5, and he's going to explain exactly how it's all possible. He's going to kind of put it in a way that I hope I can make you under, help you understand, and he'll begin to develop and begin to explain just what Jesus accomplished on the cross in the very beginning form of this. Now remember, Paul said earlier in chapter 1 that he's not ashamed of the gospel. So he's still laying out th that, that foundation, that, that thesis statement of Romans that we talked about in chapter 1 verses 16 and 17, that's still what he's working on. And he's still trying to prove to us that he's not ashamed of the gospel. And it makes sense logically, it makes sense philosophically, it makes sense theologically, it, it, it makes sense is what he's showing us. So he's presenting out this argument. But I must give you a warning. Most pastors would never teach this section of scripture on a Sunday morning. They would probably either skip over it or not want to teach it because there is some controversy with it. There is some things, that it, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a section of scripture that is, is steeped with uh, theology, it's steeped with doctrine. It, it, it's, 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 if you read ahead, you probably shook your head going, well, I don't understand this stuff. Well, I'm going to try to make it as simple and as easy to understand, and as always, I'm going to stay true to the scripture. I'm not going to go off on a lot of tangents. I'm going to try and stay focused right on what the Scripture says. I want you to understand it, and I'm going to do my best to take something and make it really simple for you to get. And I'm going to say it so many times that by, I'm done, by the time I'm done today, you'll have the main point. Even if, even if, you lose, if I lose you partway through, you know, because you dozed off or you fell asleep, you're thinking about free turkey or whatever it is, you're, you're going to be, by the end, you're going to know the point that I want you to go home with. Chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore... Just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. Right there, you lost me, Rob. No, no, stay with me. Paul is assuming that you already know what he's trying to tell you. He's, he's assuming that, there, that you already have a foundation or a premise in this. So when Paul says that through one man, sin entered the world. He's, all, he's assuming that everybody knows the story of, of how sin entered the world. And, and I'm going to summarize it for you just in case that you don't. But Paul's going back to Adam and Eve. He's going back to Adam in the Garden of Eden, back in Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3. And he's referring to, that when he talks about the sin coming into the world, he's referring to that first account of sin back in the Garden of Eden. You know, do you remember what took place? Adam and Eve, they're living in the Garden of Eden. Uh, they're, they're taking care of the garden, and the garden contained different fruit trees and, that they could eat of, and, and all the fruit was good to eat. But God told man, he told Adam, even before Eve was created, he said, you can eat of all the fruit except for one tree. Remember which tree it was? The tree of knowledge of good and evil. Every other tree, you can, do any, you can eat, it, eat it all. It's good for you. Just don't eat of this one tree. And he said, and he warned Adam, he said, because in the day that you do, the day that you eat of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, what did he say? You will surely die. You will surely die. 
So Adam, in the day that you eat of this tree, you're going to die. And you guys know the story. Along comes Satan in the form of a ser- serpent and tempts Eve into eating the fruit from the knowledge of, of, of good, the tree from the knowledge of good and evil. And she eats it and she gives some to Adam. And God comes along to walk with them in the cool of the day. He can't find them. They're hiding. They put fig leaves on. They're all embarrassed. And, then they, and God, God knows they've eaten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And in order to keep Adam from living forever in that sinful state, because if he had eaten of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and then eaten of the tree of life, he would have lived forever in that sinful state. God removed Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden. Okay, so Paul is assuming this, that you already understand that. He's assuming that he's figuring that you figured that, that, you, that you understand the story from Adam and Eve, Eden. If you don't know it, Genesis chapter 2 and 3, you can go back and read it on your own. I don't have time to teach the whole thing this morning, but just give you the overview of it. So here in, chap- in verse 12, he says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world. Paul doesn't need to prove this. He's just assuming, he's, he's stating it as fact. This is one man entered, it's, Paul, he, he, just as through one man sin entered the world, Adam is that one man that he's referring to. He's referring to through Adam. So Adam brought sin into the world. Notice he doesn't say Eve. Why doesn't he say Eve? Because the man's responsible for the family. It's man's responsibility. Yes, Eve was the first one to sin, but Eve came underneath of Adam, and Adam was the one that, that sinned alongside of her. It becomes his responsibility. He's bearing the weight of sin for all of the human race upon his shoulders, not her. That's the way that God designed it to be. So Adam is the one man. It's Adam who bears the fall of this human race. And this, this principle of death that, we, that he talks about, because look what he says, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin. So this principle of death entered the world when Adam sinned, and it's been reigning ever since, right? We, we, we see death all around us. Everything that's living is eventually going to die, including us. And I know you don't like to hear that kind of stuff this morning, but we have to, have to go through it to make our point. And God had made promise this. God had told Adam this ahead of time. When he made the promise in Genesis 2.17, in the day that you eat of the tree of the fruit, the fruit of the tree from the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to die. So God told Adam about it ahead of time. Adam did it. They're thrown out of the garden. And now death is reigning in Adam's life because he's going to die and death through sin. So what we see taking place here in, chat, in verse 12, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, we see sin and death being connected. Okay, they're, 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 they're existing together. So where there's one, there's the other. So where there's sin, there's death. They're now connected. Death is the result of sin. Death is the result of sin. Wherever you see death, there has been sin. So if, if in other words, in the Garden of Eden, weren't people dying? No, there was no, di- there was no death before sin. Sin is what ushered in death. And that's a principle that we would learn when we studied back in Genesis. But here, Paul's referring to it, and he says they're connected. Not as a, so, so wherever you see death, there has been sin. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that just because somebody died, it's a direct result of sin. It doesn't mean that they were doing something sinful and therefore they, they, they died. That's not what it's saying. It's the principle of sin. It's because the principle of sin is at work in the world. Therefore, the principle of death is at work in the world. You guys with me so far? We only got the first verse. I'm only halfway through. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Because death and sin are connected, that's what Paul's saying, because death and sin are connected, death is, because they're connected, you can know that all men and women are sinners because they're dying. Because they're dying. 
If sin brings death, we can look around and go, hey, we're all sinners because we're all dying. We're all, we're all going to die at some point. It's coming. They're connected. Because we're all subject to death. That's what he's saying. You can know that we're sinners because we're subject to death. And thus, death spread to all men because all sinned. So we need to understand something here. When it says all sinned, it means all of us sinned in Adam. It means Adam sinned, and that sin is now, now, is now, now filters down to you. Because of what Adam does, that filters down to you. When Adam sinned, you sinned. When Adam sinned, I sinned. You said, wait a minute, Rob. No, no, that, I, I, you lost me there. I didn't sin when Adam sinned. No, no, it says you and I are in Adam. In other words, we come from Adam. We're, Adam and Eve are the, are the parents of every living person or the grandparents or the great-grandparents or the great, however far back you have to go. God populated all of the earth, all of mankind came through Adam and Eve. When Adam sinned, he brought sin to all of mankind. Well, how do you know that? Because death is coming. Because every human who has ever lived is part of Adam's genetic code. We, it's just, it's just, it's what the Bible's teaching us. It's what the Bible's showing us. When he sinned, we sin. How do you know it? Paul just told us that death brought sin. It's simple. Are you subject to death? Then there's sin. And you go, I, I, Rob, I got that. But why? Why has that happened? Because you're an Adam. If you were subject to death because of your own sin, which you might be going, wait a minute, Rob, I'm subject to death because of my own sin. No, no, you were subject to death before. You were subject to death because of Adam's sin. Let me see if I can explain it. If you're subject to death because of your own sin, you would not have been born subject to death, right? But when you were born, you, the moment somebody's born, they're subject, they're underneath of death. They're getting, the, the one-day-old baby is one day closer to dying at some point, unless, of course, the Lord returns. So this means that your sinfulness is inherited from Adam and Eve, and you were born a sinner and you were born subject to death. Now, this is where things kind of get wacky theologically. Some people talk about, well, now you're subject, this is spiritual death, or, or this is my sinful nature. Those words aren't referring to here. When, Paul, when Paul's talking about this, he's talking about death. Why, you know, you want to know, why, why do I sin? Because you were in Adam. Now, certainly we sin on our own, but we sin because we were in Adam. It's here that the question comes up, and it's a good question, and I, wanna, I don't want to just skip over it, Wait a minute, Rob, if you're saying that when I was born, I was subject to death, and I was subject to death not because I was a one-day-old baby and committed a sin, I was subject to death because I'm in Adam, well then what happens to that one-day-old baby? What happens to that baby that happens to pass away? If they're subject to death, if they're under sin because of Adam, and God is just and God is righteous, then certainly they, that God would have to judge them guilty, wouldn't he? Well, not so fast. I want to I I point out two things to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul tells us that children are sanctified in the presence of their believing parents. And also in 2 Samuel chapter 12, David gave us the assurance that he would see his son that passed away again. But even more importantly, if you were with us and we covered Romans chapter 1, we already answered this question. We already answered it back in Romans chapter 1 verse 18. It says this, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness, ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who and then the New King James says, suppress the truth in unrighteousness, but it actually means to hold. The King James is a better translation there. It says to hold the truth in unrighteousness. Suppress means to hold. So what he's saying there is the wrath of God is, is, is unleashed on those who are holding the truth in unrighteousness. A one-day-old baby, how much truth can they hold? A mentally handicapped person, how much truth can they hold? 
Someone, and then Paul even goes on to explain, what about the person who's never heard about Jesus? His invisible attributes are clearly seen in creation. So Paul says that the wrath of God comes among those or upon those who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So what he's saying here is, what he's saying is, is we are all subject to death because we are in Adam. Now that doesn't mean that your your own sin isn't sin, because it is. But you, you were born that way. Adam made each one of his descendants sinners, and that's you and I. Because that's what Paul's saying here. That's, 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 that's when he says it in verse 12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. This principle will turn out to be the foundation for salvation. And here's where I, want, I don't want to lose you. This is the principle that's foundation. Because remember the question I asked in the beginning. How is it that one man's death on a cross could save everybody? Well, if one man's sin could convict everybody, wouldn't it make sense to reason that one man's death on a cross can then save everybody? You see, both of these guys were making decisions that would affect all of mankind. Adam chose to sin. Christ chose to go to the cross. If we fail to recognize that our sinfulness came through one man, all right, follow me here. If you don't, if you, you might go, not Rob, that's not it. I, I'm, that's not me. My sinfulness is because of me. If you fail to recognize that your sinfulness came from one man, Adam, then how can we accept salvation through the one man, Jesus Christ? If you're only going to stand on your own sinfulness, then you have to stand on your own salvation. Paul will begin to contrast the work of Adam and the work of Christ as we continue through the rest of the chapter. He's going to set up. He's going to say, in Adam, you're going to get these things. In Jesus Christ, you're going to get these things. Here's an objection. Somebody might say this. Well, I thought we were sinners because we broke the law. I thought because I didn't keep the Ten Commandments that I was a sinner because I broke the law. I'm not a sinner because of Adam, but because I broke the law of God. Paul's going to answer that and look at verse 13. For until the law, which means before the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed that means charged, when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Before the law existed, before God gave the Ten Commandments to to Moses on Mount Sinai, sin was already in the world. That's what Paul's saying. It already existed. How do we know that? Because people were dying. So, and he'd already established that death is, sin brings death. He'd already established it, and there was no law. So, you're, so, so what he's going to go on to say, Paul is driving home this principle. You are a sinner because you came from Adam, not because you broke God's law. Yes, God's law is sin, and you've done plenty of sin on your own. That's, that's, that's true. But you're born under death, you're born into sin because of the family that you came from because of Adam. You guys with me? Some are. More that time. Good. All right, look at verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. No, you and I didn't eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? You could say, well, I wasn't in the Garden of Eden. that, That wasn't me. No, Adam ate the fruit. But he says something. Adam, in the likeness of the transgression of Adam. We didn't do it just like him, 
but he is a type of who is to come. Paul's going to begin this comparison between Adam and Jesus. Paul's saying Adam is a picture of a representation. He's a picture. In other words, Adam represents all of mankind just as Jesus is going to represent all of mankind as we develop this, this argument a little further. Both of these were sinless men in the beginning of their lives. Both of them started out sinless. They started out without sin in their life. There was no death in Adam's life when he started. It didn't, death didn't come in until sin crept in. Both of them were sinless in the beginning. Both did things that would have consequences for all of mankind throughout all of eternity. Adam brought sin. Jesus brought salvation. Look at verse 15. But the free gift, that's speaking of salvation, is not like the offense. That's speaking of what Adam did. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Let me just read a few more verses and we'll go back and comment. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came, to, came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. The free gift in verse 15. Salvation, justification. It's not like the offense, the sin of Adam, but both produce something that's going to affect all of mankind. Adam produced death and condemnation. The grace of God in Jesus Christ produced righteousness and life. Following me so far? Good. If one man like Adam could affect all of mankind, then one man like Jesus Christ could affect all of mankind. That's the logic that Paul's following here. If Adam could do it, and he can do it, he, can, he proved it to us because we're all under death. We're, all under, we're born under death because we're in Adam. He proved that to us earlier. Now he's going to show us how it is that Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross, can also come alongside and affect all of mankind. So let's keep going. The gift of righteousness came as a result of many offenses. Many committed sins, many people committed sins to put Jesus on the cross. But it brought righteousness. It, when he went to the cross, it brought righteousness. Through Adam, we got sin. Many people died. It brought judgment. It brought condemnation. Death reigned in all of mankind. And we know that because 10 out of 10 people die. We don't have to form a committee or a survey to have it done. We all know it's going, it, it's coming. But through the work of Jesus Christ, we read, grace abounded to many. Justification was present. The gift of righteousness was pre present. Reigning in life was present. Do you see the contrast here? This is where we get the idea that we're born sinners. This is, where we, this is where it comes from, that we're born sinners. Look at verse 17. For if, one man, if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more, much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Adam started a reign of sin and death. Jesus started a reign of righteousness and life. And Paul's making this contrast. This is, and both of them are existing together in the world. They're still here. Both reigns are still there. Both kingdoms still exist. That's what he's saying here. Are you convinced that someday you're going to die? Unless the Lord returns. Yeah, I think we can pretty much all agree on that. 
You could even say that, well, death is, is certain in life, right? It's, there are only two things that are certain, death and taxes, right? I can't help you with the taxes part. I'm going to help you with the death part. <laughs> death is certain. Taxes are certain. But, but notice what Paul says. Although, although he's understanding and he's saying that death is certain, he says it in the middle of verse 17, much more. That means even on top of the fact that death is certain, what I'm about to tell you is more certain. In other words, if you're convinced you're going to die, a Christian should be more convinced about what he's about to say. It is much more. It is more certain. It is much more, he says, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So Paul's saying this is much more. This is more certain. In Paul's mind, your eternal destiny in Jesus Christ is more certain than the fact that you will die. And while we can all agree 10 out of 10 people will die, and we can make a joke and say that we could have the government form a committee to study that, and they could get back to us and let us know if that's true or not, we should be more certain as Christians that we will reign in life with Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying here. That's, now, we have to ask the question, is my identity in Adam or is my identity in Christ? Who are you identifying with this morning? Are you identifying as, as being righteous in Jesus Christ because of what he's done for you on the cross? Or are you identifying with Adam, saying, oh, that's just who I am. That's, I was born that way. How many times have you heard that argument from, for sin? I was born that way. You absolutely were born a sinner. We all were. Your sin might look different than mine, but we're all born sinners. We're born that way. That's because we were born under Adam, is, is what he's saying. Now, Paul gives us a summary, a quick little summary in verse 18. In case, in case I've completely lost you, just look at verse 18. It'll sum all the previous verses up. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men. The offense is Adam's sin, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. One man brought judgment and condemnation. That's Adam. But the other man, Jesus Christ, brought the free gift of righteousness to all men. Notice it says all men. It's available to all men. All men. It means all men. Adam and Jesus, in a sense, are two representatives for the human race. In a sense, that, that's, that's what we have, is we have two representatives. Uh, the idea of Adam and Jesus as two representatives of the human race is sometimes called federal theology. That's what our federal government, it's a, a government by representation. That's, that's, where, that's what that means. So we have federal theology, or Adam and Jesus are sometimes referred to as the federal heads. They represent all of the human race. It's because under the federal system of government, representatives are chosen, and the representative speaks for the people who chose him. Adam speaks for those he represents, and Jesus speaks for his people. Now you might say, wait a minute, Rob, I didn't choose Adam as my representative. I didn't choose him. I don't want him as my representative. I never chose Adam to re represent me. Yes, you did. When? I wasn't around in the Garden of Eden when you sinned. You identified with Adam. So the moment you sinned, the very first sin you did, the, when you hit the little girl over the head or hit the little boy, whatever it is, the very first sin that you committed, you were identifying and aligning with Adam in this place, in this position. It's absolutely true that we were born into our identification with Adam. But we also choose it by our acts of sin. So we choose to identify with Adam. And that proof and evidence is by the fact that we're sinning, that we're sinners. But, wait a minute, Rob, I don't want to be represented by Adam. I want to be represented by Jesus. What do I need to do 
to be represented by Jesus. Well, that's, that's, we just talked about that. Look at verse 18. Therefore, as through one man's judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, look what he says, the free gift came to all men. Verse 19 makes it simple. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, right? Many were made sinners. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. We were made sinners by Adam's action, by by the fact that Adam did what he did. But we're made righteous when we choose to accept the free gift that Jesus is offering to us. That's the gift of salvation. Notice it's a free, we have to receive the free gift. We have to receive the free gift. You say, wait a minute, Rob, I, I, I don't want to be represented by Adam or Jesus. I, I want to stand on my own two feet. Well, you don't get to make that choice because you were born under Adam. But even if you could stand on your own two feet, you wouldn't have a, you wouldn't have a prayer <laughs> because you still have sin in your life. You still have to go before a holy God. You still, God, I am more good than I am bad. Yeah, but that bad's going to send you to hell. But God, I don't want to go to hell. Then you need to accept the free gift. But I want to be under Adam. Then identify with Jesus Christ and his righteousness. You guys follow me? You don't get to make the choice. You're born represented by Adam. We're born under Adam. We're born sinners. We're, you know, David understood this in Psalm, uh, I think it was 51. He said, in, in iniquity, my mother conceived me. I was brought forth in iniquity or something like that. David understood this. We came, we came into this world as sinners. He understood that. But it's, 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 and here Paul's telling us it's because of Adam. Now let's look at verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the moreover the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Then the argument that Paul's looking at, well, what's the purpose of the law? Why did the law ever come into existence? Why, why, what, what's, the, what's the need for it? What's the purpose? The law came about so offense, so sin might abound, so it might increase. In other words, God gave the law to the Israelites to show them that they were sinners. The law was never to show them that they were justified. They were supposed to show them that we can't keep this law. We we're supposed to show them their, 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 their failure to, to, to live up to the law. They're supposed to, they're supposed to see that, hey, we can't do this. But then it's just a beautiful picture where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. We would think that where sin abounded, God's anger abounded much more, right? But that's not the case. What Paul's telling us is where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. And we'll expand more on that next time because the logical argument, well, then I might as well just keep sinning. Paul will address that at the beginning of chapter 6 as we get there. Where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, that's what, remember we, in the very beginning we said sin brings death, look what it says, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So sin reign, or so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If sin reigned in death, the grace reigned through righteousness to eternal life. Now, I want to close, but I want to read the whole passage in context. I want to go back, and we've kind of chopped it up verse by verse, and I want you to kind of get an idea of exactly what, uh, what Paul is saying here with everything that we've talked about. 
So let's read it together in context. Chapter uh, 5, verse 12, and I'm going to read down to verse 20. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in, the life, will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hope you understand it. I hope I was able to explain it. If all you take away, Paul's simply saying here, death came. The reason that you're born into death is because you were born into the family of Adam. Adam's Adam's sin brings condemnation to mankind. Jesus' death on the cross brings justification. But it's a free gift, and you have to make the choice to accept that gift. If you choose not to accept it, then you will remain under Adam, and you will remain under death, and you will eventually end up at the white throne judgment where you, where you will be judged on all your deeds, and you can stand on your works, and, and the outcome will not be favorable to you, I assure you. The Bible says you'll be cast into outer darkness, into the lake of fire. So let's pray. Father, as we come across scriptures like this, they're hard. They're difficult to understand. But I pray the truths that we need to take away from this or there. I pray that we can understand that yes, we were born as sinners. Yes, that's because of we're in Adam, but we also have righteousness, justification available to us in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, if they have not accepted you, they would make that decision this morning. That they would realize that their sin, it comes from Adam. There's nothing that they can do. They, that it's, it's why they sin. But they do also have a Savior available to them. So, Father, thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.